0: all right good morning good afternoon good evening wherever you are listening to this at whatever time you're listening to this all right i'm gonna talk today we're gonna explore take a look at discover some things about gaining personal clarity as i was writing about clarity and conversations and clarifying conversations i realized that If you don't have personal clarity, then your conversations won't be very clear. So today, we're going to look at five ways to gain personal clarity. Why? Because you cannot and will not gain uh, or have clarifying conversations without the right perspective on you. And you can't get the right perspective on you without um, God, others, and a little bit of self-introspection. And those things are the things that will let you know who you are in Christ and will actually hash out some of the principles you believe in about yourself. Some of the scriptures you might be declaring, some of the things that you think when you start thinking about them clearly or when you start thinking about them and applying them, then things can get messy, but they also get clearer, right? Okay, so let's just jump into it. How important are you? When we say that or when we ask that, and when we think about answering that, usually we think I'm not very important. And we have a because I don't blank. I don't have a very big church. I don't have a very big job. I'm not a parent. I don't make very much money. I'm not very smart. We think we're not very important. But when we look at it through scripture and we filter the question through scripture, How important are you? We say, I am extremely important. Another question, how powerful are you? We usually like, I'm not very powerful at all. I don't have very much money. I don't have a position of authority. I'm not a politician. I'm not a boss. I'm not a senior pastor. I'm not very strong physically. Again, when we filter that through scripture, then we look at that question and we go, huh, I am extremely powerful i am super powerful i am probably a superhero disguised as a plumber i just haven't realized it to the level i really need to third question is how loved are you and we can say well i'm, I'm a little bit loved or i'm not loved at all because of blank Can we have reasons why we're not loved and most of us hopefully we can say I'm loved a little bit and we say our kids, our parents, our siblings, our family, people that we know, people we've helped, people we've influenced. But if we filter it through scripture, we filter it through the heart of God, God would say, we would believe that we are scandalously loved. And I mean like a scandal as in it's ridiculous how much God loves us. So filtering all this, these three questions through scripture, um, I believe I'm important. I believe I'm powerful. I believe I'm ridiculously loved. Then if those things are true and we filter those questions and how we see and how we answer those questions through scripture, through the heart of God, then it seems to me that we should get to know who we are. If I am those things, I should get to know who I am. I should get to know how powerful I am. I should get to know how important I am. I should get to know how loved I am. And then from that perspective, begin to live my life out of that. And I think that's what Christian life coaching is really meant to be about. You have the life coaching principles and tools. Awesome. But they're really leading us into what do we think? How does that line up or not line up with scripture? Then how are we living that out or not living that out? And we're partnering with the Holy Spirit that's doing a good work in us, that promises to continue that good work. And all we're doing is agreeing with it when we're getting life coached or when we're trying to develop ourselves personally, okay? One of the main barriers for people developing themselves, getting life coached, learning about themselves, Is because they think, they believe, they feel. I feel like it is prideful, just by the fact that we're talking about ourselves, that we're saying, "I am powerful, I am loved, I am, I am important." That oh, that that would be that would be prideful. However, what is more prideful than you or me? or any child of God saying the opposite of what God is saying about us. God is saying, I am deeply loved. God is saying, I put the highest value on you. God is saying that you're very important, very powerful, because I've given you gifts of the Holy Spirit. I have made you my kids that inherit the kingdom. All right? So I want to, what do I want to do about pride? Uh, Pride saying that, oh, that's prideful to talk that way, is actually prideful in itself, and it's a false humility. False humility is, false humility equals pride. False humility is pride hiding in religious clothing. False humility is pride hiding in plain sight. And when you you can have a language of humility with no humility in the heart, that is prideful. You can have a posture of humility. You can have a posture of humility where people look at you and go, wow, that guy's humble. In Texas, we say humble. I know most people would say humble, but we drop the H for some reason. I dropped H when I got here uh, to Houston. So when we look at that, we can identify an area of pride in our life. If we are unwilling to talk about how awesome we are, that is prideful. Yes, yes, yes. There's a line you can cross over and you, you can think you're awesome and better than other people. But just because I'm saying I'm awesome or I'm powerful, I'm loved, does not in, in comparison to anybody else. It's just me and God and that relationship and i filter that through what god calls me okay so you've got to have the right perspective on you in order to have better conversations with others you got to get the relationship with yourself right Before you get the relationship with others right, the best way to get your relationship with you right is to have a relationship with God that's continuing to get more and more right, more and more in alignment with his heart for you. Okay, so to gain proper perspective on you, you need to do some personal introspection, but it's not just that alone. It is that, and it is him, God, and it is his people, his church, your family, even some of the people that annoy you or scare you or you think are a little bit weird and mystical in the church. So we want personal clarity, all right? And some of you are going, well, well, we need God clarity. Well, we need scriptural care clarity. Well, we need blah, blah, blah. Absolutely, we might, we do. But I'm talking about personal clarity here. Just because I'm focusing on personal clarity does not mean that I don't think we need some clarity on who God is or some clarity on who others is or some clarity on how the world is. I'm saying we should get personal clarity, get our filters properly in place, and then go from there. We're going to explore five ways to gain personal clarity. The first one is personal clarity through Scripture. And this is what's interesting. Most of us read Scripture so that we know something or so that we say can say, I read my Scripture, or we can reference it as a sign of I was spiritual, I have a daily program to read my Bible or to read my three verses along with a devotional. But really, we're reading to know and be known. We're reading to know God and for God to know us through the questions of Scripture And that might be me getting off on a rabbit trail there, so let me go back around. Most of us aren't reading our Scripture, aren't reading the Bible very well, very much, very deep. And it's amazing to me how much we struggle with reading Scripture. And I think number one of the top five reasons that Christians don't read Scripture is it constantly pushes against, what we already think, what we already feel, it constantly doesn't fit into our filter. And we're reading scripture and we're we're filtering scripture through our current filtering system, our current mindset, our current mental models, instead of letting letting scripture read and change and change our mind and change our perception and change our thoughts thoughts and change our emotions and change our actions, and I think that's why we don't read Scripture, because it grinds against us when we are not in alignment with Him. I mean, think about that. Scripture presents a really strong cha- challenge against a Christian lacking confidence. Scripture pre- presents a pretty strong challenge to low self-esteem because it's defining us as God's children, okay? But we take our experience of I don't feel good about myself, and I'm going to read Scripture from the perspective of I don't feel good about myself, and when I find something that opposes that, I quit reading. And so much in Scripture, if we're allowing it to do its work in us, opposes the things we think are normal, the way we act normally. It opposes Scripture, presents a strong challenge, a different narrative for anger, for victimhood, for fear, for unforgiveness, for selfishness, for racism, for hatefulness. So when I read Scripture, I start getting clear on what's broken inside of me. And I stop reading often because it's annoying. I love this idea of annoying Jesus, like the annoying Jesus, not like I'm annoying Jesus, but Jesus is constantly annoying me by asking me questions, by making statements that are opposite of how I'm living, opposite of how I'm thinking. I think scripture does that. What happens, we need to get clear on what is broken Because only when we get clear on broken is can we get clear on what our transformed self looks like. It's only in our brokenness that we then go, oh, I need the savior. I need the savior for salvation to get saved, to get into heaven, to get into the family. But I continue to need the savior to do the good work that was started in me. And I I won't access or I won't Rely on, or I won't ask, or I won't turn to the Savior if I constantly think that nothing in me is broken. And don't get me wrong, it is painful to be challenged by Scripture when all I want to do is read something that agrees with what I currently believe. All right, there's a lot of stuff in there, but it's important that you're reading Scripture, and reading Scripture probably in different ways throughout the year and in ways that you don't like to read scripture, probably reading massive amounts of scripture without studying it because massive amounts of scripture take out, take the control away from you so that you can't control. I'm going to, I'm going to study what I want to study and go in this where I want to go. But when you read through two or three epistles, the whole books in a day, or you read through the Gospels in a week, or you listen to the Gospels in a week, you're just going to get a bunch of Jesus stuff thrown at you, a bunch of Apostle Paul stuff thrown at you, and you're going to like have a, it's going to be challenging for you to keep your filters in place because it's going to constantly be knocking against what you already believe, okay? So instead of putting our minds in alignment with Scripture, what do we do? We just don't read Scripture, okay? So where do you need to dig into scripture so that your current mindset can be exposed and changed? Where do you need to dig into scripture? And I would say, in what way do you need to dig into scripture so that your current mindset can be changed and exposed or exposed and then changed? The second way to gain personal clarity is through personal development, is through self-development, is through self-improvement. And I'm always a little bit ticked off, uh, upset that whenever or many times when uh, Christians hear about personal development, they dismiss it with, oh, God, God changes us. It's God's job. And it actually, that statement is, again, partly true. God does change us, but we partner with them. And it's like people who say that haven't read the New Testament. They haven't read the New Testament that is Full of personal development challenges, admonitions, from don't drink too much, to don't gossip too much, to, to, to work hard to keep your mouth shut in certain situations, to, uh, to moral purity, and the list goes on and on and on and on. And so with the personal development or the personal... Uh, improvement the self-improvement the life coaching style done in the right way is a partnership that takes the work that the holy spirit's doing and and comes and partners with it so what personal development does when you say "person," i want to personal, personally develop myself so i'm better with my finances it's a spiritual act that will give you clarity on yourself As soon as you say, I want to be on a budget, and you're not on a budget, you're going to get clear about how much you hate to be on a budget. You might get clear on how lazy you are. You might get clear on how selfish you are. You might get clear on how much you don't understand money and what money means and how money works, okay? Those are all awesome things that help in the transformation of our souls. It's an awesome thing. So, don't poo-poo on personal development, on self-development. Just don't do it. The, and the people, I find the people who, who like, uh, disregard it the most are the ones that need the structure of a self-development, self-improvement mentality. Don't get me wrong. My son pointed this out to me. I have a 30, 30-something-year-old son, and he pointed out to me, like, so many of these self-development, life coaches, uh, type people, motivational speakers, and things like that, that they actually start with God, God stuff, and then they move out of that. But that doesn't mean that we have to do that. We can read every self-development thing through the lens of Scripture, through the lens of what God wants to do, through the lens of how God works. Okay, We don't have to leave out the Holy Spirit. They could, the 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 self development things partner with the Holy Spirit, and that moves us into be beautifully, fully functioning functioning people that we were created to be. I just recently read a a guy named Ryan Holiday on uh he writes books or has the, the last I don't know how many books he just came out with a new one, but I read two of them, and um on the Stoics and Stoicism. I was surprised to find how much to find out how much it lined up with scripture truth is truth and hearing truth in a different form other than a preaching form or a really nice safe devotional hearing it through life coaching terminology through self development through a motivational speech through something inspiring or through the through the lens of a counseling session they can be a great catalyst for our eyes and our ears to be to be even more open to what the holy spirit wants to do within us it'll give us something tangible to add to the very mystical words of the holy spirit when the holy spirit says you're you're the head and not the tail and when we quote god saved up the the finances of the wicked for the righteous we say that we're like oh but then what what the self-development what the personal development does is like Where is that stored up for me? How much do I believe is stored up for me? Where am I being the tell and not the head? And what do I do to activate this belief over here? What do I do this week at my job to be the head and not the tell? I'm telling you, a book on personal development just may be the catalyst you need to put your faith into practice. Talking about, personal development in scripture, Colossians 1.28 says that the goal of proclaiming, admonishing, and teaching everyone about Jesus is so that each of us may be fully mature. Look up fully mature with the, how, and how that's used in Strong's Concordance means developed, having gone through every stage of growth. That sounds like personal development. That sounds like discipleship. And the good kind of coaching, the partners with the Holy Spirit, is discipleship, and it continues to do the good work that God started in you. So, now this third one is is uh, a little bit tricky. Now I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you why. Believe it or not, I'm gonna tell you why. So, personal clarity through hard experiences, and what I want to say is, most of us get the wrong clarity through hard experiences because we go through the experiences filtering it from a failure or success lens we filter it from a good or a bad lens we filter it from a why did this happen to me it shouldn't have happened to me lens so personal clarity through hard experiences if those hard experiences are viewed through the filter of heaven okay a kingdom filter now I'm going to use a personal story here of hard experiences. I've had one uh, super hard experience. I've had two in my life. I've had a lot in my life, two in the last 20 years, one to do with my daughter, which I've shared a bit about. The other one is through um, a church experience. So if you ever want your church leadership to be exposed, the lack of your church leadership to be exposed, the lack of your pastoring skills and your relationship skills to be exposed, then take over as the lead pastor at a church of about 1,000 that one week was 1,000 people. The next week, you start taking over, and there's 150 people. That is a hard experience. Then add to that the trauma to to the whole congregation that the pastor was arrested and on the evening news, like all the evening news in Houston, Texas. Oh, wait, there's more. Sprinkle in a little bit of that week where 850 people left in a single week, sprinkle into that that the entire worship team, the pastoral staff, and the eldership all went with them. Oh, wait, there's more. The note on the property that we were worshiping on was $33,000 a month every single month. That doesn't include the daycare that was running there. That doesn't include the school that was there and all the hardship. It was a hard experience in the early spring of 2002. Or I should say that those couple months were the beginning of many hard experiences for at least a year, but all the way through. Um, And wow, man, I got a lot of clarity on those experiences. I was pressed upon in every single area of my life. Everything I'd ever said I believed in, everything I'd ever taught, everything I ever thought that was true and how things were and who God was and who I was, it was all challenged. And in that challenge, things got clearer and clearer about me, about my personality, about my personality defects, and about my personality benefits, got clear on my spiritual gifts, got clear on how I was or was not a speaker and what I needed to shift in that area. And the challenge was given to me and it was a gift. And the cool thing was it was quickly realized, maybe not first by me, but by the people around me that this was a gift from God, that we were able to stay in the fiery furnace, in the turmoil we felt like, I don't know if all 150 of us, but most of us felt like God is doing something right here. And in the midst of all of that, there was a gift given to me and I believe to everybody that stayed faithfully and joyfully. That was the thing. They were not like, oh my gosh, I have to stay. God told me I needed to stay. I can't go. I mean, it was like some, and myself included, God said I'm staying, so I'm staying holy crap, what are we going to do? I thought I was just going to stay and, and give the church back to the bank. That didn't happen. Great five years of our life there. Um, but that gift, is a. there's a promise. There's a promise in Romans, all right? The promise is that our character will be refined. Our character will be refined. Something happens. Patient endurance is created there's there there's there's a ladder of things that happen that in times of trouble, especially in times of trouble, we can have a joyful confidence we can know that the pressures are doing something to develop in me, something I've probably prayed for, definitely something God wants now i want I want to end this part with that, okay is that when things happen, when somebody opposes me, I go oh, that's awful, they shouldn't be doing that to me I can go oh, oh, wait, what's God trying to like show me here and teach me? What does he want exposed in me in a good way? What does he want shown in me where I'm lacking? What does he want to do with this? What gift does he want to give me? How does he want to promote me? I'm being betrayed by someone I loved, someone that I thought would protect me. All right, so I'm going to grieve. I'm not going to forget to grieve. However, I'm going to move on. I'm going to say, what? does god want to do here i can't wait to see how well this turns out man that's some crazy talk there but as a christian as a follower of jesus we can think those thoughts because that is kingdom filtering that is filtering from heaven all right now this last one and i must say i just realized that there's only four ways for personal clarity that I wrote down here I had five in the title I think I must have deleted one last week when I was thinking through this and I did not uh I do not remember what that was this last one on personal clarity is personal clarity through friendship or more precise through friendship conversations I don't mean shooting the breeze talking about football and every once in a while. Accidentally saying something that you get clarity on yourself. I mean, personal clarity with intentional friendship, intentional deepening friendship with intentional conversations that deepen your love and your respect and your honor one another. By the way, for that to happen, you've got to deepen your honesty with one another of your darker areas of your life. And you don't do this with everybody, but you do it on. What would you say, like leveling or deepening conversation? So you share something with someone once or twice or three times, someone that's your friend, and they don't rescind back with anything matching what you've said, they don't give you any input on themselves. They maybe ca- try to counsel you or go, oh, that's awful, or they maybe teach you. But if, they, if you're sharing a dark experience or a like you have anxiety or you're depressed or you're angry or you're lustful or you're jealous or you're greedy or you're sharing something difficult that you're thinking or going through and you do that two or three times and they don't respond back, then you have to pull back a little bit. that's your boundary that if they don't rescind back that friendship, then they're not that friend that's gonna work with this personal clarity through friendship conversations That doesn't mean they're not your friend. there can be very few people. I would say there's gonna be this many there's probably probably this many over time um I've been doing this for a long time, and it's been super helpful. I' probably have five people that know what's going on in my head and in my heart constantly, not constantly. I'm I'm 60, 60, almost 61 years old. So there's not nearly as, as much junk there. Um, it is, it is a little bit, you find it deeper. You find the fear at a deeper level. So instead of the fear motivating you to do something stupid or to not you, you find the fear like that's there that's stopping you from doing it maybe passionately. Now this one, this friendship conversations that bring personal clarity, it's the most difficult to navigate because unlike experiences or scripture or getting insight from a counselor or coach, you're trying to steer through life, sharing your life with another person's personality and they need their own clarity alongside your clarity. All right. But I'm going to tell you the journey is well worth it. In fact, when it comes to like spiritual disciplines, you know, we have Bible study, Bible reading, meditation, financial giving, serving the poor, you know, those types of church attendance, things like that that are really valuable um, spiritual disciplines and I I I would add to that. I've never seen it at it, but I add it every time I talk about spiritual di- discipline. I would say I would add friendship conversations. We see this a lot in the gospels and these conversations. They're like, these guys look like awful people and they're like, hey, we should call fire down on this town over here that rejected us. And like they have the nerve to go ask Jesus, hey, Jesus, is that all right? Thankfully they asked Jesus if that was all right. Um but they didn't feel ashamed of that ridiculous thing. If we heard that now, we'd go, wow. And and hey, who gets to sit, you know, who gets to be the best in heaven? Who gets to be the the biggest guy, the biggest boss in heaven? They don't have a problem having those conversations. They do not have a problem having those conversations, getting things wrong. And I think we need more of that. And I don't mean conversation on social media. That's not the place for it. I don't mean sharing all your business with everyone and just getting all your junk out there. I mean, and it's not about your junk. It's actually about your personal development and your growth to find out how amazing you are, to find out how powerful you are, to find out how loved you are. And those conversations happen with just a few. And there's something magical, mystical that happens in those conversations. And again, I want to reiterate, I want to repeat that it's got to be done both ways you're not just sharing with someone like you would be a counselor or a coach now I am a certified life coach I do life coaching like pure life coaching but I also do a lot of mentor coaching that was recommended my second I've had four four levels of training and the second level it was suggested that I think of myself as a mentor coach because of my age and my experience in ministry. So if I'm working with ministers and leaders and things like that, it's a lot of sharing of my own, my own experiences. And I have found loads of joy in that. I have found that people really are thankful for the sharing of the bad parts that turn into good parts and the good parts that are there where the bad parts still exist but the good parts just are so much better and brighter than the bad parts or the bad times and those things. So um, super important to do that. So last month, I was struggling with a person, okay? I thought I was going to develop a good relationship with this person. It was one of those things. You put it out there, and it's like a lot of likability, a lot of like – um A lot of connecting between the two of us. And then something happened in it. And uh, all, you know, all signs were pointing to yes. Then I kept hitting roadblocks after a certain amount of time, after a certain amount of conversations. It was like they would say yes, but then they would go and do no. And it was, uh, they kept doing opposite of what they said. And I thought their heart is good. And I know that. And it felt like a personal rejection of me which is funny because I rarely feel personally rejected. Even when somebody says, I hate you. I don't like you get out of here. I don't feel rejected. And that's a, that's another, the podcast I did a, a couple of weeks ago, but I, but on this one, I was like, there's something going on here. And then it hit me one day and I got my feelings hurt and I I couldn't figure it out. First, I couldn't figure out how I got my feelings shirt because I don't normally have my feelings shirt, but I, I could feel, okay, something's wrong here in my feelings, that vibration, that's your emotion. And so I sat and I felt, it. I was like, I got hurt, That this hurt. So I talked to one of these guys in my life the, through this friendship conversation. And what they basically said is like, that could all be true. That's probably all true. But you have to remember how you come across. And they said, I'm gonna quote them. You are always asking robust questions and anyone who is insecure, afraid, fragile are going to be intimidate, intimidated by those questions. They know a further conversation is going to cost them something. And that sounds like, you know, I'm like aggressive and mean, but it's just what I do. I don't mean to have been like super gentle with this person. And I and I usually know. Uh, Because of certain Enneagram numbers, I'm going to be even more careful or more gentle, but I'm still going to be me. And being me, I ask robust questions. And if you're insecure, if you're afraid, if you don't want deeper conversations, if you don't want me to accidentally punch you in the face or accidentally poke around, then you won't want to be around me. And it helped me. It's still. I still am sad about that relationship, but now I know that I, I, don't, I don't go and seek out to be with that person. I'm still there. I still am helpful. I still do the regular things with them, but it's not like an, a more than that. And it's actually happened to two other people in the last two years that I, that's happened with. And this one was maybe more pronounced for me, more aware. But this same guy I was talking to that just helped me with this relationship conversation, I talked to him about the other two. And it's very helpful for me to get clear on, oh, I don't meet with these people. These are people I don't meet with even if they ask me. Here's people that I respond to and I'll have a phone call with. Here's people that I'll meet with but only under certain conditions, all right? And those are my boundaries. And some of those people I would still meet with But I'm held accountable by this buddy. I hold myself accountable to his insight that I'm not going to meet with these people. I'm not going to preach at this church. I'm not going to coach this person. Just a a, a bit ago, I didn't do a funeral for somebody on somebody's request because this guy said, don't do the funeral after a 20-minute conversation with me. It was brilliant, all right? Coming so in with that, man. I hope that helps. If you're not following me on podcasts on the iTunes or the Spotify, it'd be awesome if you did that. And you can follow me on Substack. Just look for the Journey Life with Les Heron. I think on Substack it's L Heron, just L H E R R O N. You can find me there. Be sure to share, like, give me any feedback, anything you want answered anything you want me to respond to, and I'm not sure I can give you an answer, but I can give you a response. I can give you a best look at things, and I am praying for everybody who listens to this and thinking about you, wanting God's best for you, wanting God's abundance for you. All right, God bless you. Have a great day, morning, afternoon, or evening, whenever you're listening to this. All right, bye.